Hi everyone, welcome to the brand new episode of Your Mind, Your Body, um, the podcast series aimed at helping individuals improve their well-being, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, or, or maybe financially. Today, uh, I'm delighted to be sat here with Ruth Devlin to discuss uh, the subject of menopause. Morning, Ruth. How are you today? Morning, morning. I'm great, thanks, Mitch. Yep, looking Excellent. forward to chatting to you today. Oh, brilliant. Good stuff. So today's show, folks, is to discuss the topic of menopause. Um, quite a difficult subject matter for some people to discuss, maybe more so males, but with just under 80% of the Aberdeenshire mm-hmm. workforce females, it's a really important subject that we try and raise awareness of and, and try and educate our workforce on this naturally occurring event that affects all women at some point in their lives. But before we, we discuss menopause, let's meet Ruth and find out a little bit more about her. So Ruth, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a registered nurse. Um, I don't actually clinically practice anymore, but I just spend my time educating. I set up Let's Talk Menopause quite a while ago now um, and have been educating for several years, um, just mainly to provide education to anyone who needs it, whether that's female, male, anybody who's supporting people going through the menopause. Um, I'm absolutely passionate about anything to do with women's health. Um, you know the menopause and the and the wider topics as well, um, and I educate within the public, the private, and the third sectors. So oh. um, just right across the board. I also do some voluntary work and community work as well. But uh, no, more than happy to come on and chat about the menopause and bore you for Britain by the end. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's um, like, like I just said a moment ago. It's uh, something we need to talk about more. Um, we need to educate all our workforce on it. Um, so no, absolutely delighted that you gave up your time this morning to come and have a wee chat about us. So I suppose we better start right at the beginning. Do you want to explain in a nutshell really what, what is the menopause? Okay so the menopause is um, just one I think well, what I'd like to do is to get everybody to start thinking about the menopause in a slightly different way and okay. to do that you just have to stay because lots of words like stigma and taboo attached to the word menopause and you were you know we need to just sort of try and get away from that and start thinking about the menopause as just another hormonal transitional period in a woman's life so basically you've got puberty where your hormones are a little bit imbalanced going through to um if you decide to have kids then um you know again your hormones um start going up and down and then when your estrogen levels start to decline when you start going into the menopause, so what's called the perimenopausal stage, prior to becoming fully menopausal, then then again, you, your um, hormones start coming out of balance and, and a lot of people can start to experience symptoms. So you can only be classed as full, being fully menopausal when you've had 12 continual months of no bleeding. And so it's, your, it's your, basically your last menstrual period. So you go from your reproductive stage into your non-reproductive stage okay, of life. And then you spend, you know, probably... For the majority of us, we spend about a third of our lives postmenopausal. Okay, then. Um, and and I don't know what sort of age, or what sort of period in time does this yeah. this this process start? Okay, well, it for the majority of women, it will start in early to mid forties, and then the average age of menopause is around fifty-one. There's yeah. about one percent of the population who can become menopausal prematurely. So that's under the age of 40. So you get some women and girls um, you know, in the 20s, 30s, 40s. So that's um, that's another topic entirely. But it's um, for the majority of us, it's around that age of 51. That's the most common time. And again, that reiterates 
the need for us to discuss and raise this matter because now with an aging workforce, mm. um, it's it's and I think we're at seventy nine percent of our workforce females. It's going to affect yeah. directly eighty percent of the workforce and indirectly the other the other twenty percent. Yeah, it does. But because you have that one percent of the population who can become menopausal under the age of forty, it's really important to not ignore this part of your life that's going to happen and to get as, as informed as you can at an early age as you can because then if you you know you are within that unfortunate bracket then you know you can you can do something about it and also if you know of somebody like your daughter or a relation or a friend who's experiencing symptoms earlier than the norm then they need to be seen and that you need to be you know you need to find out what you can do to help to help yourself exactly and my point of view I spend a lot of time raising awareness of mental health stress anxiety diet mm -hmm. nutrition sleep this is just another you know really important aspect of, of people's lives that we, we need to raise awareness of and, and educate them beforehand so they they understand you know the process that, you know what's going to be happening yeah because um because symptoms I think what people don't realise is you've got what's called estrogen receptors throughout your body. So that's why you could you could potentially experience so many different symptoms. So, you know, there's physical symptoms, there's psychological, emotional symptoms, there's all the gender urinary symptoms. So lots of people will go, well, why have we got so many symptoms? Well, it's because the estrogen declining affects so many different body processes. And I think if you sort of explain that to people, it makes a little bit more sense. Because some of the most alarming symptoms can be those psychologically emotional ones, particularly within the workplace. Yeah. So, you know, you're switched on, you've been in a high pressure job, whatever job you're in for, yeah. you know, donkey's years. You're really knowledgeable, you're really experienced. And then all of a sudden your estrogen levels start to decline. You don't know half the time that this is happening because it can just evolve slowly. So you can start to experience, you know, lack of concentration, low mood swings. You can have you know periods of irritability and anger and you're thinking what earth am I feeling like this and you can un unfortunately mis misinterpret sometimes that maybe you're just feeling extra you think you're feeling extra pressures from yeah from you know external sources like your your um I don't know relationships or job or um pressures of job and then you gradually realize there's other symptoms start to creep in maybe like hot flushes changes to menstrual cycles and things like that that hang on a minute what I was experiencing a couple of years ago was probably the start of those estrogen levels declining. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it it, it can come on over a, a longer a long period of time, like you've already said. Mm -hmm. um, so you've talked about there some of, some of the signs and symptoms. You've mentioned a little bit as well about educating ourselves, so when, you know people know what to expect. What can what measures can people take to you know help improve their own situation going through the men you know going through through this process? Is there things one can do to to help their own situation? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, if you talk to anybody who's a menopause specialist, there's a, um, a few of those around the country or anybody who's got a real interest in this area, then first and foremost, they'd always start talking about your lifestyle choices. And I know everybody's really tired of people backing on about exercise and diet yeah. and <laughs> things like that. But it, it makes a profound difference to how you not only experience your symptoms, but then how you cope with your symptoms. So yeah. it really does make an enormous difference what you eat, what you drink, how much alcohol you have, how much caffeine you have, do you get a good night's sleep, do you manage to get a little bit of exercise into your, into your daily life or you know, into your week. And these things have an impact on 
I mean, there's no magic cure. You know, a lot of people will yeah. say, oh, God, HRT is like this magic cure. But there's, there's no magic cure. But the more you can do for yourself through tweaking and nudging those those dietary sources and thinking about your alcohol levels, because things like too much alcohol and caffeine, terribly dull, I know, but they have a massive impact on things like hot flushes and night sweats and on sleep patterns and absorption of nutrients and minerals. So it's the little things which make an enormous difference. And I think if you can if you can really attack those yourself, that also gives you that element of control back yourself as well. Because I think for a lot of people, it's that feeling of you know loss of control almost like it's not yeah. your own body anymore. And if you can start to just just take hold of that yourself and just become more aware of what your body's going through and what it needs then I think that can make a big difference to a lot of people. And you think, well, hang on a minute. OK, I'm feeling irritable. But if I do this, then it's not so bad. And if I don't, if I cut out this sort of food and I start eating this, then, you know, that's better. And I don't mean going on fatty diets or anything like yeah. that. I'm, I'm talking little tweaks and making sure, you know, you have a really good um, nutritional balanced diet, but you're just incorporating lots of different little, different, you know, the, the more varied your diet, basically, the better. So the more you can incorporate into that diet, the better. And then um, in addition to thinking, you know, I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody to be teetotal. I love a gin and tonic. So, you know, it's but it's not having binge drinking. It's, that's just yeah. going to exacerbate your symptoms. You know, try and have at least two or three nights off alcohol a week. And if you, you know, if you really can't do without that double espresso, have it first thing in the morning, but then really don't have those multiple cups of coffee and tea throughout the day. Yeah. The lifestyle choices, it's, it's just so, so important across. It's just so important because I talk about exactly what you talked about there when, you know, trying to manage your own um, stress and anxiety levels, you know, mm -hmm. lifestyle choices that you can integrate yourself. And I just echo exactly what you just said there. I'm not saying you know, you've got to follow some fad diets, you've got to cut alcohol out of your life, you know, it's just got to be um, in moderation, does it? It's just got to mm -hmm. be sensible levels um, because these things have been proven to, to improve our situations and improve our lifestyles and help us, mm -hmm. um, you know, deal with deal with things like you know, stress, anxiety and menopause in, the, in this particular instance here. Um, so lifestyle changes, being a bit more active, looking after what we eat and, and what we drink. Um, what can we do as organisations, as managers, etc., to support our teams um, mm -hmm. who, who are, you know, starting to go through the menopause? Um, what could you suggest that we could do to help uh, support people further? Well, I think doing what you're doing now, Mitch, is, you know, providing um, information awareness is the first thing you can do. So the, all the organisations I've worked with, you know, fantastic. They've just provided educational sessions, informal educational sessions for um, for their employees, but also for the managers. So there's no point educating your employees if you're not going to get the managers. So no. it's the managers that make that difference, that put those reasonable adjustments in place, make those practical measures which can really have an impact on your workforce and it's it's making um it's making your staff feel valued because if you bring this up as a topic it's not you know immediately they'll think okay great I can have that open conversation I do feel confident having a chat to my to my manager and saying exactly why the reason I'm I'm taking time off work instead of pretending it's because of maybe a tummy bug or yeah something like that you know a lot of women don't feel comfortable actually having that conversation 
with their managers, particularly male managers, for obvious yeah. reasons, some are better than others. And you'll often find younger male managers are more receptive and open to conversations than older ones. But that's sweeping generalisation, of course. But I think because, you know, that it, it has become, everybody has become more aware. So the younger generations are more open to these sorts of conversations and the younger chaps, you know, they're more aware of their mums going through the menopause and maybe their sisters, whatever um and aunties and things so it's it's having that open conversation having the confidence um but making sure you're informed yourself as a manager so you know you don't need to be able to give a detailed talk but you need to be able to really um help somebody signpost them give them resources make sure they feel valued and and just just do basic support so you know if they need flexi time provide flexi time if that's possible you know if anybody's wearing uniforms then make sure the uniforms are breathable fabrics that makes an enormous difference make okay. sure people have got multiple uniforms if you're having really horrible hot flushes you're drenched you yeah. know you need to change that uniform little tiny practical things like that which mean the world to people if somebody actually notices and takes care um, and that can really help somebody feel more valued, but also it helps their experience through this time. Excellent. And just to echo what you were saying there about um, support, we're obviously recording this podcast today that's going to go out in the next week or so throughout October. We've also created uh, some new guidance around uh, the menopause and how to support, well, you know, detailing what it is and how to support colleagues. Um, we've created or we are creating a new online e-learning module um, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a newsletter coming out as well but it's all it's all geared around just raising awareness of it and educating folk on it and, and, and making it you know bringing it to attention basically putting it out there like like you say, that's what we, that's what I think we need to do we need to raise awareness of it we need to put it out there and encourage these conversations to take place Um, that was a little bit there about internal resources that, that we've got coming out in the next week or so is there any external um websites charities or external support tools that people can tap into that you're aware of yeah no absolutely um the women's health plan is basically the first place i would go so that's the patient arm of the british menopause society um, the british menopause society is primarily for clinicians but you can go on there and look at their tools resources um but you know the women's health plan has got fantastic fact sheets on there it's updated regularly it's run by people who really know what they're talking about i would say if you're looking at anything online make sure it's written by people who really know what they're talking about you know if you want to read up on anything to do with hrt don't read a newspaper yeah. don't read a journal unless and look who's look look who's written it look at the date when it was written are they accredited you know to be able to write something on something like that you know what are their sources for their information really really important um so women's health plan yeah definitely for anybody who's prematurely menopausal i would look at the charity the daisy network okay daisy network. that's a really good one i'll forward all these to you mitch so don't worry i'll um i'll pass these on yeah endometri obviously endometriosis uk is another one then um there's the Eve Appeal, which covers the five gynae cancers. That's an excellent resource. All these are really good supportive charities. You can phone them. You can gain advice um, as well through them. Okay. Um, my website is just a chatty blog. I don't feel the need to replicate any of the information on all these websites, but it just gives it in a little bit more of a chatty format. There's resources on there as well that you can, you can see. Does that allow people um, to come together? 
And Say again, sorry? Does that allow people to come together? Uh, on my website? Yeah. No, it's not a forum. It's just a blog. Yeah. All right, okay, I'm, sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> and there's loads of forums out there. Again, I would be wary of some forums. You're always going to get a couple of people who who will dominate those forums. So I would just, I would really go for those websites that I've recommended okay. to start with. There are hundreds out there and there's lots of people um, claiming to be menopause experts who probably aren't menopause experts. Yeah. So I would choose carefully and wisely um, to who to who you listen to. Can I just, before we, before we wrap up, can I just ask one thing? You've mentioned HRT a couple of times. Yeah. Um, could you explain what, what HRT is to anyone that's listening that's, that's never heard of that term before maybe? Yeah, no, I'm um, sure HRT stands for hormone replacement therapy. So that's, um, it consists of the majority of people, it consists of two hormones, estrogen and progesterone. So two of the female hormones. And when you go through the menopause, it's the estrogen levels declining, which causes um, the symptoms to start with, with lots of people. And those, those hormone levels fluctuate as well. So that sort of adds to the confusion because some days you might feel better than others. So they're fluctuating away. Um, so HRT, um, yeah, as I said, is, is comprised of estrogen and progesterone. The only time you don't need that progesterone component is if you've had a hysterectomy. So you don't, you no longer have a uterus because the progesterone component is only there to protect your endometrial lining. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So the majority of us, we've got estrogen, progesterone, and you can have it in lots of different formats, but you're replacing the estrogen. So that's immediately going to help to rebalance those hormones so create that balance, which you're trying to get back. Yeah. Um, and so it then helps to um, to alleviate some of those symptoms, but it also helps to um, prevent some of the long-term symptoms of developing. So things like, you know, um, uh, osteoporosis and estrogen has a protective effect on the cardiovascular system as well, things mm -hmm. like that. So that's why it's really important for anybody who's being diagnosed as being prematurely menopausal, the other term for that is premature ovarian insufficiency, that unless there's any reason why they can't be on HRT. So fortunately, if somebody's had, had an estrogen receptive cancer, then they wouldn't, you obviously wouldn't be wanting to go on HRT. But as long as there's no reason why they can't be on HRT, then be encouraged to go on HRT from the word go, because then up until at least the average age of 51 years, because then that helps to prevent those long-term symptoms for developing. Okay, you, and then... You, you sorry. can have it. Sorry, you can have HRT in lots of different formats, and it's very much finding. So that's orally, transdermally, um, and you can have um, an intrauterine device called a mirroring coil. That's you know, I mean, HRT is a, a huge topic, but you have to you have to find somebody who really knows what they're talking about because your prescription is only as good as your prescriber, basically. But usually within each GP practice, there's somebody who who has an interest in women's health who's up to speed. Excellent. Thank you. I just wanted to, <laughs> wanted to ask that question because it was mentioned a couple of times. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Um, well, again, thank you for, for giving up your time this morning to come along. A few teething problems at the start when there's a technology, but we got there in the end. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, again, this is all part of a project to raise awareness of the menopause and, and to help educate our, our whole workforce on it. And I feel this this podcast will be really beneficial. It's um, you know, the people will listen to this and take something from it, which is which is what it's all about and, and what we're wanting to achieve. So thank you very much, Ruth, for coming along this morning um, and giving up your time. Very much appreciated. Not at all. Thanks for asking me, Mitch. Okay. No problem. No problem. And guys, until next time, until the next episode comes out.
please look after yourself and that of others.